If we endure, we shall reign with him. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church of North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 307. It's October 24, 2015. This broadcast is for October 25th. Well, today we're going back to the stories of North Korea, taken from Hackberry House, Volume 1, which is available to you at Amazon.com if you want to check that out. I'm on page 41 if you already have the book. I'm going through the book that I wrote a little bit at a time over a two-year period, and you can read a little bit at a time, perhaps as a daily devotional. Uh, It has over 300 articles about North Korea and the stories of the past, things that are going on now. It is a little bit old, several several years, but I think you know if you've been studying North Korea at all that things haven't changed quite a bit. Well, anyway, from the book, we are not the social workers of the world, we Christians, but when Christ's church is where it ought to be, what a blessing to the world. Here is our third look at refugees coming out of North Korea into what must seem like heavenly China. You can imagine coming into America from places, right? Pray for a North Korean today as you listen to this interview of of a male, age 40, coming in from Chongjin. First arrival in China was March 2003. He came to China because he had a problem with his throat. So he hadn't been able to work at his job on of milling rice since 1996. It's difficult for me to survive, he said. I was living like a beggar. I almost died. Two of his sons did die of starvation, 1998. He had no connections in China, but friends told him he could find food there. And so he came across the river by himself, middle of the night, and came to a church close to the border. My impression of China is that I can breathe. <laughs> It was it's like there was no oxygen in North Korea. North Korea is closed and they have no way of knowing international policies. The North Korean government sends people to prison because when people leave, they condemn the North Korean government because of what they've learned about the outside situation. He's now waiting for an operation, but it's expensive. He has no idea about the future. He's just waiting for his operation Life's quite okay here because NGOs are helping us as non-government organizations. We don't want to go back to North Korea. We're, we're definitely willing to go to South Korea. North Korea is not going to change. That's one man's opinion, but, you know, um, it's looking a whole lot like his opinion is going to be proved true. At least so far it has. The subjects of these interviews are real people, by the way, possibly still alive. A face, even if not a name, to come before you in prayer. At least a situation or an idea. Let every detail sink in and bring it all before the Father who watches after the souls of men, desperately wants to love them through his people. Let's go to another interview. He's a 25-year-old male from North Hamgyang. First came to China 2000 because his parents and siblings had died of starvation between 1995 and 1997. In May 2002, he was arrested and deported 
but he was sick with a kidney problem and his hand was injured during work. After being in prison for only two days, the North Korean government released him. They thought he couldn't work. He's useless to them. Just like garbage, they threw him out. There were about 400 other North Koreans in prison, men, women, children. The law is that defectors will be punished in labor centers. But since January, the law changed and people are just sent to prison. The Chinese police do random checks to look for foreigners. One day the police came and asked for his ID. He said he had lost it. He's afraid to stay at home during the day because of the police checks, so he wanders the streets and goes to his apartment just at night to sleep. People who hire North Koreans get fined, so they are afraid to hire them. An NGO in China pays for his rent, food, and medicine. His health is improving, but he's waiting for a cure from the doctors, so he doesn't know his future. You know, no one knows their future, right? Uh, but this is a little different flavor of that statement. Let me move on to another story here. Now, I'm not one to endorse or praise the media. Anyone who knows me knows how I feel about the media. We know all the things that they are capable of, but uh, one can't ignore a good piece of journalism. And that was back in 2002. and featured a very serious and challenging Ted Koppel. You may remember the name. You may remember this series. Uh, he presided over Nightline at that time. I found the synopsis of this program online. It still may be there. The video was able to be ordered at that time, and I ordered it, and I've got to caution you. Um, your emotions could well lead you into some serious issues, having seen this story. I was just emptied. I was destroyed. It was unbearable to me. It probably still is. I have it still, but I haven't watched it recently, and I may not again. But it's happening today. It, it even some of this happens in our own country. But here's the summary of that story by Ted Koppel, and I'm reading from an article. This is not my writing here. June 10, 2002, in the mountains of northeast China, an hour's walk into the forest, a family once hid underneath the earth. Three years ago, Kim Kansu and Kim Young-e lived here with their five-year-old son named Young Shin in a hole in the ground, hiding from police. What was their crime? Well, their crime in the eyes of China and their homeland, North Korea, was simply that they left their famine-stricken country because they were hungry. They were looking for food. Their underground hideout was only a couple of miles from the North Korean border, but it was one of many homes that they had in the mountains since they fled North Korea. Chinese police are paid a bounty to capture refugees like them, return them to North Korea. The Kims lived with the knowledge that if they were sent back, they'd be labeled as traitors possibly face execution. Though we don't have a house, living like this in hiding, at least we eat rice. It's rarely available in North Korea, even for well-off families. We just hope we don't get caught, 
Young Hee, the mother, told the Korean-American filmmaker Kim Jong-un, uh, no relation at the time, everything else is fine except for the fear and distress, said Kansu, the father. In the forest, surrounded by caution and living in fear, the Kims tried to keep some sense of a normal family life for their young son. Kansu taught his son about the animals and showed him how to set traps, how to catch rabbits and birds. He used some of the game to trade for rice and vegetables at a local village. Kansu worked at a tobacco farm, an hour's walk from his hideout. His labor there was illegal, and he received no pay. But he was compensated with a small amount of rice, which he brought back to his family every three days or so. The family still bore the scars of their situation, though. Malnourishment from the famine of North Korea stunted young Sheen's growth, and his parents mourned for their broken family. When the Kim family first came to China, they had three children, and young Yi was pregnant with a fourth. But they could not feed or educate them properly, hiding in the forest. One by one, they had to give their children away. The baby boy who was born in the hideout was first given to a childless Chinese family. Later, the Kims reluctantly handed their two girls to an orphanage. They considered it the girl's only chance of ever receiving a minimum standard of decent nutrition and education. Soon the Kims realized they could not provide enough for young Shin either. And so three years ago, and that was in 1999, from 2002, the Kims gave away the last of their children. I ask you, is any sorrow like the sorrow of a bereaved parent or child. Can we not love God more as we see how he unselfishly, unflinchingly gave his only son for us? Where are the Kims now, I wonder? Did the children return to anything like normalcy? Was the family united? And what of the thousands of other Kims, scarred forever by the tyranny in Pyongyang, there was this update. Uh, whatever happened to Kim Young-shin, I was wanting to know. So I wrote the author of the story, the Korean lady who had done the original interview. Her response was uh, not all that comforting. She said eight months after that painful tearing away, and that, that tearing away is what totally, totally destroyed me. As I think of it now, I'm not doing too well. Um, but Young-shin is reunited with his parents. I'd like to think it was a gloriously happy event, this reunification, but the video shows the Kims visiting their girls, the ones they gave away, in the orphanage. And that reunion is definitely not a glad one. Children don't always know what it means when a parent abandons them. And so is it happily ever after now? Not quite. While the family is hiding out in a small farming town in China, someone sees them and reports them to the police. They're sent back to North Korea. The email reads here, Fortunately, they are together today, though they went through a lot to get to this point. Well, I, I can only imagine what she means 
by that. She tells me that she simply cannot release all the details, but we've already discussed what happens when North Koreans are returned to their prison land. Would they have to go through to be re-educated? Last reports that they're still living in a small town in North Korea, barely making a living, but somehow there's enough to keep that family together. Hmm. Maybe we need to go to North Korea in the spirit right now. You know, some of you, all right, I will say some of us may be called to go to North Korea itself in the body. Until then, we've got to go there in the spirit. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. I don't know if any of these people that I'm talking about now are Christians. This is human compassion. You, you could feel this whether you're a saved person or not. But add to it then uh, the fact that some of these people suffering like this are, are God's special people. And it just uh, doesn't feel too good, does it? Well, we're going to change gears a little bit in the next article. When you, just when you think you've heard it all. Along comes National Geographic. It's called Inside North Korea from 2006. For further details, uh, you, can, you can go to the website there at nationalgeographic.com slash channel, whatever, and find out this article and how, do, how do you can get a copy of this video. Here's another video that I went after. Go undercover, says the jacket, with National Geographic correspondent Lisa Ling as she journeys into mysterious and reclusive North Korea. Posing as part of an international medical team, Lisa and her camera crew reveal the extraordinary hidden face of this insular, little-known place from the powerful control Kim Jong-il exerts over his people to the military powder keg of life along the heavily armed DMZ. Filmed against the politically charged backdrop of North Korea's nuclear ambitions, Inside North Korea, that's the name of it, is a fascinating search for the truth. Google that, will you? Inside North Korea. See if you can get this video yourself. A search for the truth and mutual understanding inside one of the most isolated nations on earth. Somehow, that doesn't say it all. You've got to see this National Geographic video to believe it. And then you still won't believe it. Personally, I got ill from watching it. Imagine a medical team, listen to this, a medical team from another part of Asia doing a thousand, I said 1,000 cataract surgeries in 10 days. Yeah, they came over feeling sorry for the North Koreans. They've all got cataracts. They've all got so many problems. We'll go and help them. So you see them actually healing these people, not in the spiritual sense, but physically they're bringing healing because they enjoy bringing sight to the sightless. Imagine multitudes of Koreans seeing for the first time in their lives. You say, what in the world, Mr. Bob? What made you so sick about that? Well, keep imagining. Before the bandages are taken off, the patients are reminded that it was really through the good graces of not our God, but their God, the dear leader, Kim Jong-il at that time, that all this is taking place. As these horribly brainwashed folks see their first light of day, the first image upon which they are to focus is a picture of the dear leader, Kim Jong-il. A man, if ever there was just a man. 
according to the script, they run and jump to the picture. They bow down, they raise their hands, they scream, and they thank Kim Jong-il for their healing. What shall we do? How shall we pray? Oh God, how sick it all is. How sick you must also be to see one robbing you of the glory that is yours. Our hearts are heavy with you, God. Show us your plan. How long, O oh Lord, for North Korea to see as you intended and see what you intended? Will you pray with me? Amen. Amen. I know you will. I know some of you are touched. In fact, I, I, I know that some of you share these, these audios. I, would you share this one? Yeah, and anytime you see something that, that is worth sharing, please feel free to just bring it over to other folks that they can uh, pray with us too. God will hear his people. I know it's been a long time, but God is not deaf or dead. He is alive. He hears. He'll do something when his people pray. Tomorrow? Well, it seems like I'm on a... I'm on a roll here about suffering, but I did decide I wanted to do a study on suffering, and we're doing that during the week now for a little while. We have just, uh, I don't know, two or three more days of that, perhaps. We're going through actual scriptures in the New Testament that talk about Christian suffering and all kinds of suffering, what it's about, and uh, we'll see if we can make some sense out of the Word of God. And we've had many, many people coming through with many ideas about what suffering is. This is, I believe, a good interpretation of those scriptures that talk about it. I hope you'll join me at that time. Meanwhile, we started today with 2 Timothy 2.12 that says, If we endure, we shall reign with him. Amen.